0: Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. My name is Julie. A. Van Balzer and I'm a working artist and mother to a curious toddler. And my business, Balzer Designs, is all about helping you to live an artful life through thoughtful art education. And on this podcast, together with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Shoe we ask questions of each other and our guests while discussing learning, the creative career path, finding balance, looking at art, setting goals, and why being creative matters. Our goal for this podcast uh, is to stimulate your imagination. So hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. And it feels
1: good to be good
0: because this has been such a winter of sickness for everybody. Yes, that's so true. And the theme today that I gave you is that we're wrapping up 2022. And uh, I, I basically, the format is, I said, you come up with three questions that we both have to answer and I'll come up with three questions that we both have to answer and we won't know what the questions are before we start. And one of the reasons that I thought this was, I mean, A, it's fun to sort of like throw questions at each other, you know. A little bit. That's always an interesting thing. I think that's what so much conversation is about anyway, right? It's not sort of like regurgitating information. But the second thing is one of the things that I teach all the time, like to my private coaching clients or my bootcamp students, or like we talked about it this month in group coaching is about reflection and evaluation. It is the step that I think a lot of people miss when they yes. make art or do anything really write something. I mean, we joke about this because my husband right now is in school. And I feel like I'm talking to a teenager when I'm like, okay, well, if you finish the test early, you have to go back and check. Did you answer the question? Did you, you know what I mean? And we, we talk about it all the time because there is a desire to just be done with a task as opposed to considering. And so like currently I'm teaching this class, the Carve December workbook and a huge part of that class is getting, um, Better at carving, not through me teaching you like here's a carving technique, here's a printing technique, but through teaching you a framework for how to evaluate your work, you what you liked, what you didn't, where you had problems. And in fact, so we're on day 23 of Carve December and a lot of people in the class have been talking about how they're losing steam. It's hard to carve a stamp every single day. It really is to carve it, print it, post it, all that stuff. And people have been talking about how they're losing steam. And one of the things I said, okay, is I said, you know, that's fine. And I think what you need to do is not beat yourself up about the fact that you're losing steam, but kind of make a note of it physically in the workbook, because that's important. And then figure out how you're going to stop that from happening next year. Not the fatigue, but the bad carving because of the fatigue. So for an example, one of the things you could do is say like, oh, I always tend to lose steam around like the 21st because like, you know, I'm preparing for Christmas or whatever. So maybe a solution is to plan out my carbs really carefully in October, November, when I have lots of energy, so that by the time I get to those days in December, I don't have to think. I just have to look at what I've written that I'm going to do, pull it out of my pocket and do it. You know what I mean? Because I think the fatigue is not the physical act of carving. The fatigue is the mental exhaustion, right? You know what I'm thinking while you're doing this? As you know, it's not
1: art for me, but you get fatigue from having to think up a new dinner every day. Yeah. And it's exactly the same kind of procedure of finding a way to make yourself able to make dinner while you're feeling totally blah about everything mm-hmm. that comes to your mind. Yeah. So you can have certain things that are just your go-tos. You can figure out, okay, today somebody else is going to make dinner. Mm-hmm. You can just call the Domino's I- guy. Yes. Well, one of the things <laughs> I've done with you when you were a little kid was remember when I would just say, okay, today we're having Lemon meringue pie or ice cream for dinner or lunch. I do remember that. I mean, sometimes you have to just change it up a little so that your mind gets to relax. And the other thing is, just like with your art thing, sometimes you just look in the
0: refrigerator and whatever you've got, Mm -hmm. you use it. Oh, that's but I, like I also think like I'm a big system person and that's why I think like meal planning or meal prepping or I even talk to Steve about maybe we just have a rotation of like six easy meals and like when we get tired of one you bring in a new one but just taking the thinking out of it because so often I mean this is what they talk about the mental load with women is that. It isn't even necessarily the physical act of doing the thing. It is the mental load of being the one who's worrying, you know. So, for instance, we're taking a family trip in January, and I'm already, you know, making packing lists and thinking about like how it's going to go and trying to plan out if anything needs to get bought and da 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 da. So it's like it's already stressful, even though it's several weeks away. But I think that that's just that is what they mean when they say mental load, right? Right. Okay, so let's get to the questions. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, what's your first question? So
1: give me some pluses and minuses that are now in your life
0: as a result of the COVID lockdown. Ooh, pluses and minuses from the COVID lockdown. Okay, so. Which in your case coincides with having a baby. Yes, it does. So it's it's, some of it's hard for me to tell. Figure out. I mean, the big minus to me is like I just feel very socially disconnected. I feel like I just I miss socializing and I feel like I haven't made a lot of I mean, I guess I've made a couple new friends from my son's like um parents but I haven't met anybody who's like a let's go to coffee or let's whatever because you've just been so cautious and even a couple times when people have reached out to me I've been very scared to like say okay sure I'll go to a meal with you because I just you know what I mean we're just avoiding COVID so hard and it's been so many years and now I feel like I'm sort of in a hermit place where I'm like just I just have my little bubble of people and that's kind of it you know and so that has been kind of I would say the biggest negative for me, um, the biggest pro, and this is an incredibly fortunate thing is I used to travel all the time. I mean, there were times when I would be home five days in a month, you know, which is crazy, especially when I was playing New York city rents, that was really crazy. Um, and so I was not sure what it was going to be like after having a baby, but the pandemic basically stopped all my traveling. And then the big question was, is my business going to die? are we going to not have any money? Cause I'm the breadwinner for our family. And I just didn't know, like as a freelancer, you're not guaranteed anything. So if I don't work, we don't make any money. There's no, if I get sick, we don't make any money. If I get hurt, we don't make any money. So I was like, gosh, if I don't travel, do we not make any money? And I thought that, you know, I had tried to plan for a baby as a freelancer, because of course you don't get any maternity time off, right? Cause there's no boss to give you maternity time off. Um, So I tried to like work really hard leading before the birth and I sort of hadn't calculated how long the recovery would be. So to a certain extent, the pandemic was really lucky for me because the best thing to come out of it is that I figured that I can do 98% of my business virtually. I miss teaching in person, which is why I am teaching some classes here at my home studio in 2023. And I'm really excited about that. And if you're interested in that, you can find all that on my website at juliebalzer.com. But it's great to know, like I can teach Zoom classes. I can teach virtual classes. I can have meetings with people online. I can make videos. I can, you know, share things through the membership program. And I can do all those things and still, you know, pay my mortgage and stuff without getting on an airplane. So that has been the biggest pro. So con, lonely and isolated, pro, business works virtually. And I think definitely like I'll take lonely (laughs) every single time. Do you know what I mean? Because I think the fear of not having enough money to like pay your mortgage or buy your groceries is a much greater fear than like the well, I wish I had someone to talk to when I have a perfectly nice, you know, husband and a perfectly a, a, a three-year-old who's becoming quite a good conversationalist. Never stops it talking. you. Yeah. It never stops talking. It's true. So, what what's your biggest pro and con?
1: Okay, I have on my phone right now a message from someone saying, "Let's have lunch next week," and I haven't done that in probably two and a half years. Yeah, and I'm thinking to my, I haven't answered yet. I like her and I'd love to have lunch with her, but I'm thinking I haven't gone to a restaurant to have lunch with someone in so long. Yeah. Um, But I will tell you this because you and I are actually in some ways opposite. I know you don't accept this, but I have discovered that being a hermit suits me and that uh, I used to go to a million meetings Now Mm -hmm. some of them are on Zoom, which is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I may be the only person on Zoom in the meeting because other people Mm -hmm. have shown up now. Mm -hmm. But I just really feel like I don't want to be in a room, especially a smallish room, with a bunch of people who might be sick. Um, I will say I used to not think about sickness all the time. Yeah. And now it's become a part of my life an ongoing part where i always think about it mm-hmm. um, well see
0: like steve had a cold the other day it wasn't covid we tested like constantly but he just had he had a cold and he was coughing and stuff and we canceled all kinds of plans with people because i where I don't think I would have pre COVID because I was like, I'm not, you know, like we were supposed to go to Maine t- for a birthday party of one of his best friends. And I was, and we had to call and be like, we can't come. We had, we had booked a, a sitter, a hotel, like the whole thing, and had to cancel. We were supposed to have a Hanukkah party. We called everybody to cancel again, because he had a cold. And so I think I have definitely become more conscious about not, 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 giving anybody any germs and that I suppose is a very good thing I will say this it's Mm -hmm. really difficult
1: to go back once you've found certain things you like I really like zoom meetings frankly I'm that person who often turns off the camera because why should I sit there and look at the screen I turn it on when I'm talking but I just, as I say, my hermiting instincts instincts have just blossomed.
0: I think that's great. So does that mean, that, so the pro for you is figuring out that you can do meetings and stuff via Zoom and that you're a hermit. And the con is that you're scared to go to lunch with people. <laughs>
1: I just think I'm more cautious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm more aware of the exposure if I go to the grocery store. For the whole first, like, year and a half, I didn't go to the grocery store. Steve went to the grocery store for all of us. Yeah, he did. So it's kind of nice. It's like having personal service.
0: <laughs> Except he would call from the grocery store with, like, what is this? Is this what this looks like? Anyway, yeah. but yes, yeah, it was good. Spiders. What can He's I say? Learning. He's learning. He's learning. Okay. Well, then my question for you, I'm actually going to tell a story about it first. So I have always considered myself to be a reader. It's like if you ask me what's something I enjoy doing, I would say reading, right? Um, And so people always do sort of of end-of-the-year book things where they say, like, how many books they read, and I have seen two things that kind of blew my mind. So one, there's a podcaster I listen to, and she mentioned that she had read, like, 60 or 70 books this year, and I was blown out of the water. I was like, whoa. And then she mentioned that 90% of them were audiobooks. And I had an immediate reaction where I was like, that's not reading. But then I was like, wait a second. What about it isn't reading? It's not like watching the movie, right? Because it is still the book. And like, what's the difference between being read a book versus reading it yourself. And then that started me thinking me about like processing it and blah, 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 blah. And so I have some weird prejudice against audiobooks because at first I was like, Oh, I've read like four books this year. I'm pathetic. But then I was like, Oh, if you count audiobooks, well, I'm getting, you know, up there right into like 20, 30 books this year. And then this woman said, she was like, Oh, you guys have read a hundred books this year. You're not even trying. I've read a thousand books this year. And I was like, how is it possible to read a 1,000 books in a year, right? And she holds up her kids' books. She's like, this one alone I read a 100 times last month. And I was like, whoa. If we're counting books I read at bedtime, books I read to him in a restaurant, books I read to him, whatever, I was like, I'm pretty close to a 1,000, too. Because then we're talking I read five, six books a day, you know? And then I was like, wow. So then I don't count that as reading books, even though it's reading a book because it's like not a book for me. You know what I mean? And so it turns out I have all this prejudice. I <laughs> didn't realize like what it means to read a book. So, my first question to you, now that I've told given that whole story time there, is what is your favorite book that you have read this year and how did you consume it?
1: I think I, too, have gone to a lot of audiobooks, partly because I can multitask. So I can listen while I wash the dishes. I can listen while I, you know, fold the laundry. I can listen when I'm doing lots of other things. The one thing Mm -hmm. I can't do, I've discovered, is I can't listen while I'm writing checks for bills and things. I mean, any. I have to concentrate in a different way. Uh, But then I couldn't read a book while I was doing that either. I think one of the things about audiobooks is I'm very responsive to the voice of the reader. So there are certain books that I've started and then just haven't finished because I can't stand the voice of the reader. And it ta- my irritation with the voice takes me out of the book.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: all I do is think, oh, that's the way you say that? Or that was mispronounced? <laughs> or, you know, you don't sound like
0: mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I feel... I, I listen but I, I think that's the part of my prejudice against audiobooks, just jumping on that is audiobooks feel filtered through somebody else's imagination, what they imagine that voice sounds like, what they imagine the accent is, what they imagine the speed of the conversation is, what they imagine. for some reason, like I have less of an issue with an audiobook that's a nonfiction book and more of an issue with someone when it starts to get into feeling like they're doing different voices and there's pauses in certain places and not in others, because I don't know if I would have read it that way. I don't know. So who knows, but the I make other- voices when I read my son books all the time. So. Yes, I I'm know. Bored. And and it's actually pretty wonderful. <laughs> um,
1: also, I find that. I used to feel like I could never stop a book. I had to finish it. <laughs> I had to read like a newspaper or a magazine start to finish. I couldn't skip articles or skip around. And I don't know why I felt that, but I just have no patience now for that. I'm not enjoying
0: it. It's gone. Um, I feel that way about people now. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Are you like worth a babysitter? (laughs) Are you worth the amount of money it's going to cost for a babysitter? Are you worth like what I'd rather be doing? Are you worth the lack of safety of, you know, whatever uh, sickness you have? I mean, I know that sounds terrible, but I would say even when I started dating Steve, one of the things I said to him, as I said, from the very first date, I said, I am a workaholic and I will tell you this, the day that I would rather be working than hanging out with you, that's the day that we're breaking up.
1: Wow, what a sword that Damocles to hang over him.
0: And he still clicked around.
1: Exactly. To his credit.
0: Huh. Right. Right. Well, I was trying, I was at a period in my life where I was still very much hurting after my divorce. And I basically was trying to push people away. So I was just like, I think in a way it was good because I just was like brutally honest with people. I was like, here's my deal take, take it or leave it. Cause I'm all about leaving it right now. Well, actually
1: this goes to something you often say about art and finding an audience for your art, which is you should, you don't chase the audience trying to do things that will please them. Mm-hmm. You do what you do and your audience will find you. And mm-hmm. I actually think that's same with a lot of things in life.
0: Yeah. And I think people understand it when it comes to like, if somebody didn't want to be like, what would you tell your kid? If somebody didn't want to be their friend, would you be like, no, stand next to them every day, smell them, rub yourself on them? Or would you be like, oh. I don't want to be your friend, right? That's their loss. Like, Yeah. Don't waste your time worrying about it. And so the same thing is going to be true, whether it's like internet trolls, people not liking your posts, people who, even if it's people in your family who tell you your art's no good or whatever else, like they're not worth your time. They're not, they're not your art people. And I think that's part of the way that the internet, I mean, sort of to get back to the COVID thing, but why the internet has been so connecting for people is because you can find that other 1% of people who think like you out there, you can find those other fabulous weirdos. Do you know what I mean? Who are weird in the way that you're weird, which is great.
1: Harder for some than for others. Uh, I do think that I do a lot of reading on my phone. Mm -hmm. So again, that's a different thing, not audiobooks, but it's not the physical book in my hand. So, how do you feel about that in your very judgmental? My mind?
0: prejudice, my reading prejudice. I have, so I have a Kindle, and I often feel that I have fake read a book when I read it on the Kindle, which again, I don't know why. It's a book, there's text, I'm reading it, but it, but after, I don't know. I will say this. I think that I remember audiobooks not as well as I do books that I have physically read. And I think that there is something about the the physical, like, holding of a book and turning the pages and, like, that is different than a Kindle where it's kind of like swipe, swipe, swipe. I'm just a very prejudiced. I'm a very prejudiced book person, I think. So, I mean, in the end, what I'm going to say is all reading is good reading. I think it all counts, you know, hooray for all of it. But like in my heart of hearts, if I were the human being that I wish I were, if I were a sparkly princess full of all things good, then I would be sitting on a pile of physical books that I had read. I'm not, so I'm not. But I I wish that I could live in that world, you know? No, you don't. You'd be bored. No, i have books. How could you be bored when you're sitting on a pile of books that you could read? I think you need people. You're a very people person. You know, it's so interesting because everybody always tells me that I'm an extrovert and I da, da 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 And I think I'm an introvert. I always say, like, I'm an extroverted introvert. Like, I like to be by myself and I need my space. But I do also enjoy seeing people. But I don't want to, like lick them. Well, I don't want, I don't want to share a bathroom with them. And I don't want to, like have a roommate, you know what I mean? But like, I'm happy to go to a party and like talk to some people. Mostly, I think that's because I find people interesting. And I'm always like my favorite part of a party is not even like the being at the party, whether it's a dinner party or like, a I know what it night, is. Whatever. It's afterward
1: dissecting it breaking it down comparing notes with your significant other or whoever was there we had a meeting a family meeting on zoom with a business person Mm -hmm. and afterward we all went on another zoom where we just talked about it because we all like to do that
0: because you want to know, like, what did you find out? What did you observe? What were the interesting things? Yeah. People are yeah. fascinating. And like the stories they tell, I mean, I still remember this one dinner that we all went to and the way that the seating was arranged, we were sitting separately. So like Steve was in one place, you were in another, I was in a third and he was actually so far down the table that we had a completely, cause it was a long skinny table. We had a completely different experience of the event is and this so a we dinner at the MFA? With the MFA, and so ours. we were kind of like chatting about it afterwards. And he and he was telling us all about like at his end of the table there had been crying and like yeah, it was a totally different blow up. Experience. And we were like, "What?" <laughs> exactly. And I was like, "That's still one of my favorite memories because it was like you can be at the same event but have such a different experience based on the ecosystem that you ended up in." I just, anyway. Fascinating. Has nothing to do with any of this, but I, I'm sorry to tell you that I'm book prejudiced. If you are book prejudiced too, I'd love to hear about it, uh, and you can let us know sort of what you think. Um, what what is reading a book? <laughs> by the way,
1: I don't think you should be bound. This is my last remark on it, but yeah. I don't think you should be bound by what category the book has been put into. Mm-hmm. Because, for example. I have read and enjoyed a lot of YA young
0: adult books. Okay. So that brings us to favorite book, favorite book, favorite book of the year. What is it? Uh, Crying
1: in H Mart. Oh, really? What did you love about it? Well, in this case, I could identify a bit with the writer who's talking about H Mart is a a chain Korean. of Korean food, Korean and every Asian culture food marts. And but ma- mostly it was thinking about her mother because mm-hmm. a lot of times food from our childhood leads us back to thinking about our natal family. And I often go to H Mart and think of grandma. Right. And I think one of the things is I'm in a funny place where I am the mother, but I'm also a child. I'm also a grandmother, and I'm also uh, probably thinking more about, let's not be a downer here, but death uh, and what my family will be like when I'm not here to see it uh, and what they'll, you know, what will remind them of me. and. What will cause them to say, Oh God, thank thank you. Be gone. <laughs> that's gone. So
0: uh, so the well, book Steve always jokes that you will haunt us and the way that we'll know that you have been there as a ghost is we'll find snacks and little bits of food at the foot of the bed. Well, that's not a bad thing. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I have to say so my favorite book of the year was actually also was a YA book. And something I listen to on audio. So uh, I don't know if I counts as having read it, but I enjoyed it. So it's called The House uh, in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune, and it's a book that was recommended on another podcast that I listened to. Um, and I was skeptical because I often find my problem with YA is that often the stories are lovely, but I find the writing is not always magical, you know what I mean? And part of what I enjoy about reading is that there is language that just sort of, like, carries your imagination, Too right? many dragons, maybe, sometimes. Yes. So this is kind of a fantasy book. And the interesting thing is I liked the book so much that I actually listened to two other books by the same author and didn't like either of them. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, but this one really hit it for me. So the house in the Cerulean Sea is like a, uh, it's a, it's a fictional world that sort of runs parallel with ours in which on this island, right at the house in the Cerulean Sea, there lives, there is like a home for magical children, basically. And a guy who is a worker in, uh, in, who's a human worker, you know, basically is sent to like assess the school for magical children and of course as you can imagine you know like like any other good you know uh story about how children can open you up is opened up by the experience right and And the assessor is opened up well it's a very clear metaphor for racism and like everything else and like that you have prejudice against these children because they're magical but in fact they're just children and blah 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 right Um, And so I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the world and I thought the person who read it was really good and all that kind of stuff. And it is a book that oddly, the reason I say it's my favorite is because I'm not sure it was my favorite while I was in it, but it has stayed with me. Yeah. You really like parallel
1: worlds, by the way, which I I don't at all. You really love parallel work.
0: I do. I do. I do. And part of the reason I think I love it is, I mean, I think it's part of the reason I'm an artist. I think it's part of the reason yeah. that I worked in theater for years is that I'm I'm sort of interested in this idea of like creating a world, creating a world or what you see as ordinary is actually extraordinary or what you see isn't actually real or that there could be something more beyond you know what I mean? If you could just put your hand through that wall, looking glass, like whatever it is, I, I think I'm endlessly fascinated by it. Put your, oops, I can't do this. Put your finger. <laughs> I can't get it. Ooh. Oops. I know because the screen's reversed, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Wait, wait. There you go, You got it. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I think like that to me, If they say, like, the job of an artist on some level is to show you the world the way that they see it, right? And so writers are artists. And so what they do when they create these parallel worlds is they're saying, like, this is a world either that I believe is here or that could be or that, you know, is a metaphor for the society that we live in. And so I think because of that, like, again, it is endlessly fascinating to me. And now you have a background in anthropology, right? You're an ABD in anthropology. And I think like anthropology is a study of culture and it's very much based in like observation of reality. And you know what I mean? Trying to decipher, do you know what I mean? What's actually happening and trying to like figure out the rituals and the culture of, you know, uh, 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 various groups. And I think like, that makes sense to me then to be rooted in reality as opposed to being interested in this kind of fantastical thing. But I do kind of think of a lot of science fiction as an anthropological study, right? You create a world, it has customs, it has rules, it has, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like digging into something that's familiar and yet not. I love that.
1: That's an interesting conversation.
0: I'm glad. I'm going but to say, don't say use that the
1: word interesting.
0: Don't use the word interesting; it's uh, overused.
1: There are so many different human approaches to solving problems that are uh, fascinating and sometimes surprising.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess I don't feel a need to invent any.
0: Yeah, the world is an amazing place. Yes, it is. What's your second question?
1: My second question is if I could read my handwriting, oh let's talk about something that you would like to do more of in the year to come and something you would like to do less of. And I okay. will So Arthur third, my third question is the same thing. so we overlap here. okay. Well, I got to ask it first. so you have to invent a new question in the time between now and that. Uh,
0: okay, I'll most embarrassing thing. bodily fluids, go. No, okay, so what is something, so here's something that I would like to do more of in 2023. It is a resolution that I've had for more than one year, but I feel like my son, who is now three, he turned three this fall. The nameless one. The nameless one. I feel like he is finally old enough for me to maybe get a hold of this, which is I have very much felt like I've been chasing my business as opposed to sort of like directing it. And so I'm very interested in, and this is a grammatical point, but let's say I'm very interested in working on my business and not just in my business. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. This and is
1: something you've actually, for a long time, you've done this in fits and starts. Yes. And each time it's been useful and you've come up with a nugget. But I think what you're it saying is, is you'd like the time to draw back and really take a more holistic look at all the parts of your business. Because what's fascinating about your business is it's not just one thing. You don't just do mm-hmm. one thing and you have a lot of different buckets or a lot of different balls that you're
0: yeah, like, in the air. Yeah. And like part what happened is like, I was so, I mean, just to paint the picture, like I'm a new mother. I'm the breadwinner in the family. The pandemic starts. My biggest client cuts my salary essentially in half, and I am running for my life. You know, and so you bought a house too, which I is bought, had bought. It. A, I had bought a house, had a baby. Pandemic. Biggest client cuts my money in half. Do you know what I mean? And, and now I don't know how my business can go. So I was so busy pivoting. And hysterically trying to figure out where the next dollar was going to come from that I think a lot of things just sort of happened because I was like, "Oh, oh, I just need to like make this work. Right. So now it's like I would love to take a minute and be like, "Okay, now that things are okay and we're sort of on track here, like what do I really enjoy doing? What, because I think like people understand, I mean, people give all those like lip service to authenticity and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, like, I think what being authentic to me is like, is doing things I enjoy doing. Like I get a lot of pull from people who, or not pull, but a lot of like pushback from people who want me to do specific things. They don't want to see any scan and cut. They only want to see scan and cut. They're only interested in art journaling. They're only interested in Sam carving. Do you know what I mean? And they would like me to sort of like niche, niche, niche. And like, I understand that, but I do enjoy a wide range of things. So I I would just like to take the time, which I think of like planning out, like, what are the things that I enjoy so that I can translate that passion and that enthusiasm I have for it, do you know what I mean, onto other people? And I think naturally, like any human being, it changes over time. I'm not going to be interested in the same things now that I was 10 years ago even though somebody else might be, you know, and so that there's always a balance there. So I'd like to take some time, assess what I'm really excited and passionate about and want to pursue and sort of, you know, figure that out. That's my big, that's my big 2023. I'm, I'm insisting to my brain that it's got to happen. Is that that the
1: sort of thing you can do in little bits or do you need like a gigantic, enormous amount of
0: time and space? Well, the so the answer is, I probably could figure out a way to do it in little bits. I often find the little bits are ineffective, even though I think that is the best way always to attack a problem. But the reason I find it effective un, ineffective for this particular reason is there's often a big swing pivot in it. You know what I mean? So for instance, if I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to start a new series on YouTube where I post once a week with, you know, advice about, how to be a better artist, right? That's fine. And that's an idea I can come with in 30 seconds and then I can write out a list of 52 videos that I should do, right? But then the bounce off of that is going to be, Okay, now I have to make time in my schedule to do that. And are these videos also things that are going into blog posts or newsletters? Am I posting about them on Instagram, on you know TikTok, on Facebook? Am I? How are these affecting like the things that I'm selling throughout the year? Who is the customer that this is aimed at? What level of student am I? You know what I mean? And so it becomes this thing, which is like, yes, you can come up with the quick idea, but to sort of make it work as part of your business. It's really thinking about like, how does it fit with everything else? And then it sort of necessarily shifts things in different ways. So then you have to like readjust it. I think about it a little bit about last night, Steve was trying to build a track for our son out of these little bits. And every time he put one piece of the track down, something else would pop (laughs) off. Right. And it was like, it was hilarious to me, less so to him. Um, Especially as our son kept going, daddy, fix it. Um, but like, it, it is that thing about like, every time you make an adjustment, something else pops yes, yes, and you need to like, look at it. So for me, it's like, I, I, in a dream world scenario, this is the one where I'm a princess sitting on a pile of books. I would also like to be like in a whiteboard room and have like a week where I'm just thinking and planning and like drawing diagrams and figuring things out. And like, if, if A moves to here, then B moves to there, then D, then C, you know what I mean? and figuring it out because it is a puzzle and also partially because I don't have any employees I was just going to say because then
1: after the week and you emerge from the whiteboard room you have to do it all that's right as opposed to saying okay now we're going to have this department that does this Mm -hmm. and this group of employees who does that so that makes it harder
0: and and yeah so it's like your it kid wants great. to come to the studio to exactly. do art. So, yeah. So not only do I have to do it all, but I also have to think of it all. And thinking, as we talked about before, emotional labeler is the hardest part. But more than that, if I spend a week doing it, I'm losing a week of other work that I probably ought to be yes. doing. Because like I said before, if I don't work, I don't make any money. and I'm with the
1: moving train.
0: Yes. So that is always the problem which is I'm always loath to give the time to the things that are developmental but don't have a direct payoff sort of immediately because I'm like oh but like I need to get those blog posts and I need to write this thing for the class and I need to get this person's email returned and I need to you know what I mean so it's it's sort of like I'm thinking about this family trip that I mentioned that we're taking in January and I'm already having like a meltdown about how am I how can I be present with my family during that week on this trip and not the whole time be hysterical that things are burning down. Do you know what I mean? On the other side, there are people who are very lovely and understanding when you say you're on vacation, you're out or whatever. And there are people who are terrible four letter words who just expect you to be Amazon or target or whatever. And a staff of hundreds of people who can help them right when they want it. And like, I get it, but it just, it's very stressful to me. So I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. Okay. So is that the more of or the less of? Because it's sort of- I mean, so the more of is I want to spend more time working on my business and less time working in my business. That's the succinct answer to that. Um, But I think like, I think the also less of for 2023, which is sort of less art related and more just personal, which is also about, I think getting older is I just want to spend less time like hating myself. I just want to spend. Right. I think it's a good goal always, but it's less time being like, mad at myself for not finishing something I was supposed to do, or less mad at myself for like missing a meeting or not responding to something, or do you know what I mean? Less mad at myself for not cleaning up. I feel like it's, it is the great desire to do everything, which is all consuming and very difficult, you know, and, and the older I get, it is a little bit easier to, you know, you got to make a choice. talking about guilt yeah
1: yeah i want to have I less say as you as i have gotten There's older need for you to i die. feel Just less yeah kidding. no okay. uh, as i've gotten older i do feel less responsible for things which makes me feel less guilty and that's great yeah you know if i if i miss a meeting so what <laughs> uh
0: So I don't have to be part of everything. Right. I was listening to an interview today with a woman whose name I have unfortunately forgotten. And one of the things she was saying is the advice she gives to young writers, she's an author, is the advice she gives to young writers is like, do more of the things that are important and less of the things that are urgent, and I was like, wow, that's such an interesting distinction between important and urgent. And I was thinking, like, there are a lot of things, for instance, in my business that are urgent. But if you ask me what's important, it's spending time with my three-year-old. It's being there to, like, build Legos with him. It's, do you know what I mean? He gets, so one of the hardest things for me. So when well, I remember when I was probably, like, a preteen, Bambi was re-released in the Moo Theaters, and we went. And there was a kid behind us with his mother, like a little kid. I hate to tell you this. What?
1: Bambi's mother dies.
0: Yeah. So hold on. So in the movie, when Bambi's mother dies, right, he says in this tearful voice to his mother, where did Bambi's mother go? And she says, oh, honey, Bambi's mother, is. he's, he's not going to get to see her for a long time. She's gone away, you know. And the kid says, oh, she went to work. And at the time, I was like, ha, 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 that's so funny. But now my son, if because I, I work on the third floor studio, and, like, if I have to go do something, I'll be like, okay, I have to go to work. You're going to stay with Daddy. You know, he grabs me like, I don't want you to go to work. And, like, sometimes we're at the playground, you know, he'll walk up the stairs to, like, the play structure and say, I'm going to work. You can't come and like it's it's like a knife in the chest every single time even though like i know that i have to work and i know that is a reasonable and rational thing to do and i know that the agreement his father and i made is that his father stays with him and i work and like blah 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 but like it's crushing and so i thought i think a lot about that which is like doing things that are important rather than urgent
1: i just want to ask though what happens after he says i'm going to work you can't mm-hmm. come, then what? And usually I
0: say, oh, I'm so sad. Can I please come with you? And then he says, okay, you can come up. And then we go up the stairs. Have stair you ever or changed that
1: scenario to say, okay, have a good time at work and I'll see you later? I could do that. That's a good idea. It's modeling some other ways to feel about it. Right. You know, the only solution is not just to join each other at work.
0: That's true. Other Although, that, that does explain to me now why he's constantly like, Can I go to the studio too? Because clearly I do that at the playground. I mean, what's
1: interesting, I won't say interesting, that word has got to yeah. go. What's fascinating is that he doesn't expect you to stay at school with him. Right. He doesn't expect you. There are lots of times when he'll he he will say okay goodbye or you Mm -hmm. know go now i mean i think just thinking of other ways to model that the resolution of that situation might be helpful
0: okay
1: i'll give it a try okay what what do i want to do more and less of and okay what i'd like to do less of Mm -hmm. is scrolling through my phone because it's a waste Mm of time but it takes an enormous amount of time you start it and you say oh I'll just do this little bit and the next thing you know an hour has gone by which frankly you'll never get back and most of the stuff that you pick up off the phone is nothing Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I'd like to do more of is I am reminded because I've started doing this a bit I don't feel like I have to wait for 2023 to show up to do this. Making phone calls to my friends, whom I haven't seen many of them. I used to, like, see, run into you'd run into them yeah, at the library or on the street. You'd have dinners. You'd go to, you know, school events or social right. events in town, and you'd see them. And now you don't because everybody's hunkering down at home. But I have found that you can get a lot of good feeling both ways from calling people. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do that more. I want to do that more because when you reach out like that, Mm -hmm. it really feels like connecting. And one of the things, somehow, because we're all hunkering down at home, it's harder to pick up the phone and call people because you're interrupting them because they've planned their whole day around what they're going to get done without seeing anybody or talking to anybody. So when you call and you're obviously prepared for a longish
0: phone call,
1: it feels you have to make an appointment. Right. So, but I, I do want to do more of that.
0: That's funny. Cause you also said you're a hermit and you like being a hermit, but you're, it's not that you're a hermit. You just don't it's want, not want that to, I hate people. Right. You just don't want to have to put on pants. Good point. (laughs) Um, Okay. So then I will ask you my second question, which is kind of related, which is what is the biggest obstacle that you overcame in 2022?
1: I think the biggest obstacle I overcame was I was so bored with you and your family. No. uh... (laughs) That's tough. I think the biggest obstacle is, one of them, which was demonstrated when we tried to start this podcast, I'm not a person who grew up with technology. I'm a person who, at my age, there were no computers in college. People didn't have computers at home. In fact, That's you didn't a get you a computer. You told me about the computer, that with the big thing, with the cards, that you had there to go to There was a room. class I took, which was a very advanced class. And what we got were the punch cards, the old IBM-type punch cards. But that was like one experimental class, and it wasn't that you had a computer at home right. in your dorm room. And you didn't have a computer at college until partway through college. And I never took a real computer class, you know, which you would you took starting in kindergarten and first grade. Mm-hmm. So – Every time there's a new technology, for me, it's a giant barrier, psychological barrier Mm -hmm. that I have to cross. And I don't upload new software a lot because it means another learning curve. And I don't upgrade my equipment. I mean, there's been this pattern of new stuff comes out. Your brother is the first to get it. You get it. And then some of the old stuff that you guys have may trickle down to me. Or when I have a problem, I call one of you. You're my IT department, and you're very kind and helpful Mm -hmm. about it. But it's not a consistent way of learning
0: stuff. It's just solving one particular problem. So I'd like to... From a technology point of view, like, you're actually older than the boomers, right? You're too old to be a boomer. Yes, yes which is interesting, right? And like, I'm I'm too young to be Gen X, but too old to be a millennial. I fall in this weird zennial category, which is also middle road where I didn't grow up with technology, but then I kind of had it old, you know what I mean? And so I think there is a weird technology gap thing in that generational sort of uh, weirdness where you're kind of off generation with the majority of people. I remember once a week in your elementary school,
1: You would have keyboarding class. Mm -hmm. Keyboarding was a separate class, and it wasn't integrated into your other academic subjects. And one of the family jokes is, in high school, you took keyboarding as an elective. I took typing on a typewriter, and you got a B.
0: I got a B minus, working potential yeah that's usually I point oh GPA. if I came home with an A minus, my Asian mother had a long conversation with me about why I was doing so poorly. So to come home with a B minus working to potential was uh traumatic to say the least. It threw my whole GPA off for Sorry. my entire you know high school career. Say lavi. so I'm not a very good typist apparently. What's interesting about what's also
1: related is that I have learned things as you have learned things because then I have to learn them in order to be able to help you. So, you were editor of the high school newspaper, you had software for that, and I had to learn the software in order to help you. And there are, it's similar to. I didn't grow up loving football, but your brother played Pop Warner and high school football. And so I learned football because it was an important part of his life. So if you hadn't been a computer person, I probably wouldn't even know how to turn it on.
0: Well, look at you. You're doing so hey, great. Right? Hey, hey. Okay so you've overcome technology I think the biggest thing that I the biggest obstacle I've overcome in 2022 has been sickness. So we've been lucky enough to not have had covid but everything else have we had every single other disease that you can have. So there was a period of maybe two and a half three months that I was just sick. And my son was sick and it was just sick, 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 sick. And it was, I have never been so sick. We got flu this year. We definitely have had RSV. We have had, some other kind of gross pneumonia you
1: you yeah. had strep the doctor didn't even had, believe yeah. that you could have strep and you did right. the doctor I mean,
0: didn't believe i could have strep throat because i also had post-nasal drip and a active cough that was productive and he and he was like you can't have strep in this but the strep test came back positive he's like okay you've got two things at the same time my son had pneumonia like we he, but had he simultaneously term. had flu a too yes and like anyway, we've had every sickness you can have. And like at some point Except I had laryngitis. COVID. There were what four days that I could not speak at all, which at least one of those days, Steve had to go somewhere. And I was alone with our son all day trying to like get a two-year-old to like do things without being able to speak. We did a lot of hand signals. It was hilarious. We reverted back to some baby sign language stuff. Uh, but I would just say like it's it has – and the other thing about being sick is besides the fact that you feel terrible and, like, it's very hard to do stuff and you're tired and, like, everything is bad, I do so much stuff through video and so much of what I do is also talking. It's one of the reasons we've had almost no podcasts in the back half of this year is I've just been sick for three months, you know. And so, I mean, I'm afraid to say that I feel better. Let's knock on everything that looks like wood right now. But it is like – it's hard to talk and you I'm like coughing every two seconds and I'm, you know, sound terrible and it's just, uh, anyway, so that was just really difficult, both on a personal level and from an actually getting my job done kind of level too, so. Talking oh. is one of your magic powers, one of your <laughs> super powers and when you lost it, you were devastated. I was, it actually was an incredible, like humbling moment for me where I was like, How do people do it who have lost the ability to speak, who can't like communicate that way? It is so exhausting. Although on the other hand, I have to tell you, I carried around a sign the days that I had to go and do stuff that said like, I have laryngitis, I cannot speak. And if people started talking to me or doing something, I would just hold up the sign, Right. And it was amazing how many people were incredibly kind. It was also hilarious how many people then started speaking slowly or loudly. And I was like, I can hear... I didn't suddenly not be able to hear, but okay, you know, and like you actually and like, went to the doctor. You had prepared a whole written thing. to tell I did. Me. I had my name, my date of birth, like my patient number, so that I could just hold it up on my phone. I had like the list of things. I had written an entire two-page synopsis of my illness. So that they had a complete history that I did not have to speak it. I just handed the printout to the doctor who then read it out loud. I mean, it was, but that was the thing is I was realizing that like, how much preparation is needed when you can't speak in the moment. And I think because I have, for instance, I've always been a person who like, if you said, hey, give a speech, I would probably not prepare that much. To be completely frank, I would just kind of like think of like, what's my major point? And then I would just go, because that's always been something that's easy for me. And so it was so interesting to me to have to prepare for daily life tasks, not even like giving a speech in a very considered way. And I actually think, hear me out here, I know this sounds crazy, but it's kind of like one of the reasons I like being a student, because it makes me a better teacher, is I feel like it made me feel... Like I learned some things from that struggle that I have taken with me in terms of, I teach a lot of classes where the students have to speak. And I know that for a lot of people. Traumatic. It's traumatic. Impromptu speaking is not their thing. I tend to speak really fast. I've often said, like, I'm not being rude. Maybe I am to you, but I am an interrupter. I come from an interrupting family. I come from an interrupting culture. You know, interrupting is my superpower. If there were an Olympic sport, interrupting. I would be the winner, you know. Yes, exactly. We are we're interrupters, and it's always been culturally fine within our family, within our network. But I do run into people who get really upset about interrupting, and then I'm always sort of like, oh, oh, okay, this is something I don't get, but I will try to be respectful of your culture of not interrupting. Your very boring, slow culture of not interrupting.
1: Actually, Um, people who have come into the family, like dating, mm -hmm. you know and even marrying have often had to adjust to this because yeah. they were thinking it was rude or it was hostile that the two people who are talking in our family were angry when it wasn't at all.
0: Yeah. Just a discussion. You're just talking both at the same time, and you're having one conversation. Then you loop back to the thing that somebody else said, and then something reminds you of something. So you say your thing, but then you come back. Like it, you have to keep the multiple strands. It's like a weaving of things going. And sometimes you're, you know, grabbing a string from over here, but it's not like you let go of the string over there. So, anyway, all of that is to say, I think that like I often think of talking as easy. And it was a good reminder that for some people, there's a level of prep that's required. And I think it has helped me um, in teaching some of my classes to consider a little bit more what I can do to get the students more prepared to have those conversations. Like, what hints can I give them? What do I need to tell them ahead of time? Like, it was not threatening to you at all when I said we were each going to ask each other questions and not know what the questions were before we did this, right? That was not even remotely threatening because you are confident in your ability to talk about it. And me too. I was like, you could ask me anything and I feel confident that I can talk about it. You can ask me nuclear physics conversation questions. I won't be able to answer them, but I feel confident that I could say that. Do you know what I mean? And not feel embarrassed about it. I would judge you partially. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think like, that's the thing, which is I was reminded how many people need the confidence of knowing what the question is or what the lay of the land is before. And so I think, whereas I used to just sort of throw things out in class, I'm now, am being a little more careful about telling people like what's coming up so that they can prepare for it if they need to.
1: Also, you're actually doing that with your son because Mm -hmm. right now he's at a phase where transitions are hard for him. You know, he doesn't want to stop playing or he doesn't want to, have dinner or bedtime or bath time or whatever and so you're finding i noticed that when you prepare him a bit and say okay we're going to do this and then you'll have 5 minutes and i'll put the timer on and then mm-hmm. we'll do this next thing that is helpful so you're but, starting yeah. to th- so you're starting to think that way mm-hmm. with him and that's another piece of telling people in advance if he is opposed to just showing I would say okay we're going now
0: yeah and I think it's like I think the warning thing is important so he gives him some sense of control over what's happening like I was saying Steve and I were joking because I always say to him like before I put his pants on or before anything I'm like I'm gonna put your pants on you and then I do it and Steve's like oh I just do it I was like well think about how weird that would be if somebody just like grabbed you and put pants on like you would be like what's happening you know what I mean it's like you want to know that they're going to do something to you, right?
1: Just I don't want to know. point out that's the second time in this podcast that you've talked, We've about, talked about pants, putting on pants.
0: It's true. Just it's true. want to mention it as a threat. I am wearing pants, just so everybody knows. I'm even wearing jeans. Um, we but yeah, I think I think that the other thing I think is really important about that is I try to give him multiple tasks at the same time. So I'll be like, this is going to happen, then this, then this. Because I think that helps his thinking in terms of understanding consequences, in terms of understanding that like, if when I after I do this, then that will trigger this next event right? So after you put your socks on, then you can get a snack and then we're going to get in the car so that he understands, you know, okay, socks go on, which triggers me being able to get a snack. I can't get a snack unless I have my socks on. And that once I get the snack, that means that I have to head to the car, right? That sounds stupid, But it's not any different than when you're teaching somebody to make art and you say, you know, there isn't a right or a wrong choice here. But if you use that high contrast color, then it's going to make the blue pop out. And this is going to be the focal point of your painting because you put that orange over there, as opposed to if you do it this way. Do you know what I mean? It's constant understanding consequences. I feel like in life and art is like one of those really vital skills. And, you know, the other day Steve took our son to, um, daycare and he said, oh, he insisted on taking your car this morning. And I said, why did he want to go in my car? And he said, and Steve said, uh, because he said, then you would come out of the house and not know what your car, where your car is. He said it cheerfully, like that he was playing a joke. And I was like, well, that's so interesting because that means he understands like the series of consequences. They take the car, which is mine. I come out of the house. I don't know where the car is. I am panicked, which then is funny to him. So you're raising a psychopath. I'm raising a a psychopath, but I was actually really proud that he understood like consequences, like that, that like A follows B follows C, like it's a trigger of events because that is the beginning of understanding things like don't bully people. Why don't bully people? Because it makes them feel bad, or don't take that from them because that will upset them, or don't you know what I mean? Like if you don't understand why not to do something then it's harder not to do it. And I I do think like I recently had a business experience where somebody asked me to do something and it seemed so arbitrary. And then a colleague of theirs explained why they were asking for it. And immediately I was like, oh, absolutely. I will do that. I a hundred percent get it because as soon as I understood the why, do you know what I mean? Not only was I willing to do it, but I haven't forgotten about it. Because now I get why I'm doing it. It's not just some random thing that somebody asked me to do that seems to be for no reason whatsoever. And so I think, again, applying it back to art, as everything in life does, if I tell you, okay, now put a layer of white on it, I don't know how that helps you when the class is over. If I tell you we're putting a layer of white on it because we want to only have the texture showing so that we can highlight the parts, you know what I mean, that are interesting, then... You can go and do that in your own way, you know, translate it through your own filter because you understand the why. Whys in life are so important. But isn't that the reason, I mean, this is the way my brain works, but isn't that the reason that people get so upset when they don't know why you broke up with them, why they were fired, why they didn't get the job, why, you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to know the why, it, it, why somebody got murdered. I mean, it is, it is healing even if it's angering. Well, it gives you a, a, a little why. bit of a sense of control
1: over the next time.
0: Yeah. Or and just I'm, even understanding, like, if somebody was like, I broke up with you because you snorted in your sleep, I would be like, okay, well, I literally can't fix that. So if that's the problem, oh, bye. Know, like, bye. bye. You know what I mean? Whereas if somebody was like, I broke up with you because your hair got in my f- food i'd be like oh well i can wear my hair back and make sure it doesn't get in your food you know what i mean like it's just it's helpful
1: or i can decide what kind of idiot wouldn't say that to me so that i can think about it you're just
0: looking for an excuse again (laughs) bye-bye yeah it's not you it's me people don't like to tell you the why because they're afraid the why is going to upset you but in the end i actually think the why is almost always um healing and like I do remember when I have ever in my life been hiring or anything else telling people the honest why of why they didn't get the job it may be hurtful to them and they may wish that it was different but it at least gives somebody information that if they they can choose to hear and work on you know or say, I'm never going to, the reason you didn't get this rule is because it's for a 20 year old and you read as 45. So I'm sorry, you know, and you're not going to change that about yourself. And maybe it's just accepting that.
1: Occasionally they did tell you, oh, I can, I can, right. I can play 20.
0: Me too. Me too. Me too. Okay. Uh, so what is your third and final question? Madea? Third and final question.
1: What would you tell yourself ten years ago? I'm not in your childhood, be? not like mm-hmm. forty. What years What would I tell myself what in 2012?
0: Would you tell ten the ten years ago, you. Mm-hmm. Well, two, ten years ago, me is a particularly interesting person because ten years ago, me was still married to my ex-husband. 2012 is the year our, is the year our marriage hit the uh, divorce button, shall we say? And so 2012 is the year that my business was incorporated. 2012 is the year that I left the theater. 2012 is like what what I say to myself. I would say, uh, you are amazing. Do what you love. Like be kinder than you feel, including to yourself. Uh, your girlfriends are the best human beings on earth and don't settle. How about you? In a certain way, you
1: did follow that advice. You just angsted about it a bit. I did.
0: And I would say like part of the reason I would give that advice is because I'm happy with my life right now. There are some ways I feel like I could have fast forwarded to get here a little bit better. But you know what? Like they always say, all those bumps in the road, like all that stuff, like that's why I am who I am. That's right. They shape you. They shape you. And I like who I am. So why? I mean, as much as I wish I could have escaped so much of that pain, I I like the person I am. And 2012, you would say, eat only vegetables, stay out of the sun. No.
1: I wouldn't even say that now. I will tell you this though. So yeah. at my age, which is I like to say venerable, mm. uh there's sometimes a, a myth among some people that you don't change much when you're older. But somehow once you turn, I don't know, sixty, mm-hmm. which was long ago for me, you're set. Uh, and that you'll just be that forever, that you. And I'm going to say there's plenty of changing ahead. There's plenty of new experiences ahead if you want it and if you seek seek them out. Uh, There's a lot of interesting things, and I really mean interesting things, ahead if you make room for it in your life. So don't worry about it. Whatever magical age you're turning, you know, you turn 16, you think, oh, my God, now I'm 60. It's over. Uh, There's a lot ahead. You just have to continue to be as open to it as you were when you were younger.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't you can change if you choose to change. You can learn if you choose to learn. I mean, it goes back to technology.
1: You can have new conversations. You can have two grandchildren where when you were 10 years ago, they were not even a twinkle in anybody's eye.
0: 10 years ago, I was in my 30s and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting divorced. I'm too old. I'm never going to have a baby. And then I had a baby in my 40s.
1: You just have to understand that Your life continues as long as you are open to it.
0: Yeah. You start dying the moment that you stop being willing to learn. I believe that. Whether you're 20 or whether you're 70. Like the day that you decide you don't have anything left to learn, the day that you decide you're not interested in learning things, that's the day you start dying.
1: Meeting new people and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. By the way, 10 years ago, I didn't know you were going to move here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's That's been an enormous
1: change. I did not anticipate that either of my two Mm -hmm. children would live here. And now I can drive Mm -hmm. to your house in five minutes or
0: less. True. Well, I had lived in New York at that point for 12 years or something. So it didn't seem like there was any chance that I was coming home. But here you go. Here I am. Okay. So I had to change my last question since you stole it. I don't
1: think that the fact that I said it before you means I stole it. I think it just means we're
0: on the same wavelength. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So this one is simple and it's something we've done in the past, which is just what is a recommendation that you would give to people, something from 2022 that brought you pleasure and you would like to share that joy with other people? And if you want, so you can think about it, I will go first since I had to come up with this question and think no, of the I answer. can.
1: I can go. Okay.
0: I will say this.
1: Don't be afraid to cut things out. It's funny because I just answered that other question about being open to things, mm-hmm. but you can also eliminate the noise. For mm-hmm. example, I no longer watch any TV shows of certain genres because they're upsetting to me. I don't watch crime things. I don't watch scary things. I don't watch violent things. It just—it's not—it's yeah. not healthy for me. And it's not enjoyable for me. Uh, If there are things you don't like about yourself, get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, I just think you have to make room for the new things by eliminating some of the things
0: that aren't useful. Yeah. I mean, I think this is so true. Like, I didn't know... I didn't know how good this life could be until I had gotten rid of other things and had a hole that was able to be filled. And I think that's true about a lot of stuff. I also think like in terms of turning stuff down, I've heard a million times that I think it's true. No is a complete sentence. You don't need to tell people why. You don't need to give them a reason. You just say no. That's a complete oh, sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. I just can't. Yeah. You also don't need to say that. You don't even have to be polite about it. You can just say no. No, no is a complete sentence. Okay, my recommendation is so much less like thoughtful and interesting. It is a simple consumer issue, which is at the beginning of this year, I bought myself some Bombas socks and I thought it was crazy because they cost 25 times more than any sock on the market. And I was like, how can a sock be this expensive? But I was like, I will use this 20% off coupon and I will give it a try. I literally cannot wear any other socks. I am mad if my bombas are all in the laundry and I don't have them. I am. Clear indication upset. that you need to buy more because that's, it would be a pipe dream to think you would do more laundry. I mean, fair. But I have bought my son some. I bought my husband some for Christmas. Like, because he also, I was like, oh, do you want some? And he was like, they're so expensive. I'm not buying those expensive socks. So I have bought them for him for Christmas. And I hope that he likes them. They have changed my life. Because here's the thing. I have terrible feet. And, like, one of the things is we don't wear shoes in our house. But I have to wear like something, because my feet hurt if I just walk around, you know what I mean, regularly. And I often have had to have like inserts in my slippers or whatever else. And what I find is when I'm wearing Bombas, they actually have this kind of support in them. And so my feet are much better now in just socks, you know what I mean, than they ever have been. And it sounds so stupid, but I literally love them so much. I don't even know what to tell you. So
1: They
0: They also have this thing where for every
1: pair that you buy, they donate one to homeless shelters.
0: Yes. And I will also say this. They have coupons and stuff all the time. So you know what? I will look for a coupon code and I'll try to post it with the podcast because I have ne- I've never bought them at full price. I've always <laughs> found a coupon because there is always one. So don't buy them at full price. They're great, but don't buy them at full price. Wait for the sale or I'll look for a coupon code and try to post one, okay? Okay. So I think this has been a long podcast, but a good one. We had a lot of catching up to do. Um, I do want to remind you that uh, there are lots of great classes that you can check out over at uh, balzerdesigns.com. You can find me at juliebalzer.com as well or on Instagram as balzerdesigns. Um, and I'd love to hear from you if you uh, want to help the show in any way, shape or form. If you'd like to see more podcasts in 2023, you know, leave a review, mention us on social media, tell a friend about us, you know, send an email to somebody about it. Leave a comment, you know, here on this video on YouTube. Um, all of those things help people find the show. So thanks so much for listening and for subscribing. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.
1: Bye.